Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You're listening to Irish Sports Talk. Hello, Notre Dame fans, and welcome to Irish Sports Talk. This is episode 400. Wow, that's crazy. I know. Kind of snuck up on us there. It did. I can't believe it's 400 episodes. It's been fun. Hopefully we'll have another 400 episodes in a few years. Um, we kind of as a halfway celebration, we're going to be giving away a couple different Irish sports talk hats, baseball caps. If you retweet this uh, episode on Twitter, we always send out a tweet where it says podcast episode 400 and have the title in there. Retweet that. And you'll have a chance to win. And then also on Facebook, do the same thing. Share it, and you'll have a chance to win. So we'll be giving away two hats, one on Facebook and one on Twitter. And you actually up your chances if you do both. Yeah, you could win both, especially on Facebook because well, we don't have necessarily that. win both. But yeah, I mean, and I, we, would, we would make sure you don't win both, but your chances would be doubled. doubled. Yes. Especially on Facebook where we don't have a huge following. We were at the Notre Dame's uh, open practice, the new and gold game, as they called it. And let's just talk a little bit about the stadium itself and the experience. Uh, we went with a couple of our friends. And, and by the way, we met up with at Pexter24 uh, on Twitter and, and Irish Don as well. And it was really cool to meet them. It was really fun. Yeah, it's great to meet fans at the game, chat with you guys. So if you guys are ever at the games, or in the area, let us know. Uh, we've even met some guys from Ireland. So That's right. So the stadium, it is beautiful. And if you haven't been there since renovations started on the Campus Crossroads project, and if you remember how it used to be, you'll be blown away by how big Notre Dame Stadium is now. It's huge. And it's beautiful. No, Of course, there's no advertisements on the outside or the inside. And we went into, I'm a little directionally challenged, Randall, but we would have went into the, <laughs> the end, south end, the, the south end, which is the end where the, the, the video board is, is. Uh, and that that is probably that that would be the main entrance. Yeah, and it's beautiful as you walk in. Well, everything inside just feels um, more professional and uh, cleaner. I mean, everything they added brick on the inside, um, banners, just different things bathrooms it, are redone it no longer feels like you're going to to uh using the bathroom when you're like in a prison in a farm. prison camp or in a farm 
but yeah, everything just feels better and more professional. I mean, it, it it's more exciting. I mean, I remember the first time I went to Notre Dame Stadium for the game. It's like Notre Dame is this great place, and you go inside, and it's kind of it was kind of dungy. Yeah, yeah. Um, they have Wi-Fi there now, and I tested it out and uh, got fifty plus upload and download speed. I don't expect that to be the case when there's close to eighty thousand people connected to it, but it should at least be get you by. It you should be able to use Twitter. While you're at the game. Well, the nice thing, there should be less people on their phones because with the Jumbotron, you can see the replays. You don't have to be texting or calling your friends uh, to see what happens. I doubt you'll be able to to watch the game on your iPad or iPhone in the stadium. I'm, that's probably Some of that stuff is probably going to be blocked because video usage yeah. is going to, you know, that's going to slow down the bandwidth. But I remember the Stanford game, 2012 Stanford game, uh, when they kept reviewing for what seemed like forever that uh, goal line stand by Notre Dame. I mean, everybody's on their phones trying to contact somebody at home that's watching on TV, like, what happened? And uh, hopefully that won't be the case now. You can look up at the Jumbotron and see the replay. Uh, and, of course, let's talk about the video board. I mean, it, it is it's gorgeous. Um, it is big. You can easily see it. It looks crystal clear. It looks better. One of our friends commented that, oh, that looks better than watching the game at Buffalo Wild Wings in Warsaw because they don't <laughs> e- they don't have HD screens in, in the Warsaw Buffalo Wild Wings. Yeah, well, it is the highest definition. Well, I'm not sure what the correct term is, what it is. It's it has the, the most pixels. It has, it's the highest definition outdoor video board in college football. Okay. So through. <laughs> I'm guessing for a little while until next year, probably. Yeah, probably <laughs> through this football season. The The only thing with the Jumbotron is that, which it, the sound was probably turned down, but I was expecting it to be a lot louder. You hear all these stories about how loud it is and people living a couple blocks away can hear it, and that might be the case, but it was not very loud on Sat or on Sunday. Um Matt Freeman even commented that he couldn't hear it inside the inside the press box. They could not hear the jumbotron. I I, I bet part of that is because it was on Sunday, and it, it you don't have eighty thousand people there. You don't have eighty thousand, but and it's also on Sunday. People, for the most part, it's not on Saturday where people are out and about. People um, possibly could be with family or at church or you know being more. I mean, it wasn't over church time, yeah. but and I think. The people that were worried about tradition and everything that goes with that um, will be satisfied with the content they're playing. It seems they are playing older stuff. You know, there's a lot of highlights from years ago, uh, old video, and so I think they will kind of play into the people that were worried about all the tradition stuff will like it because a lot of the content that is on there is from a long time ago. I don't know. I, did, I hope they play better uh, video when the team runs out into that. I wasn't very impressed with when they were playing a video before the team ran out into the field. Um, I think they should still play. We've talked about it before in the podcast, but Some I think they should hype. still Some play something like the um, what uh, the Turning Point used to put out. Protect This House Friday. Protect This House Friday. Something like the Manti Teo video where uh, he was asking whose house is this? And when you can get the crowd to respond, yeah, 
something like that. And then, you know, like, it's our, you know, everybody comes around. They need to do something like that. I, I think I'm, they need to get the fans. I'm I'm pretty, I'm pretty confident we, it'll, it'll get there. Um, obviously, it would be Notre Dame production stuff. Yeah. It wouldn't be fan, well, fan-made production. They need to do stuff, which we'll have to see how it is in a game. But that was the biggest thing I noticed, like, at Penn State especially. Even the songs they played, they had a uh, the crowd was singing like everybody was involved. The song, the stuff that happened on the jumbotron the song was like for the fans, got the fans into the game, and they need to do that, take advantage of that, because that just adds even more to the home field advantage. I'm definitely I'm gonna try to go to the opening game, part and a big part of it, maybe even maybe even the the total part of it is just because of this new. Notre Dame game day experience with the Jumbotron, the better um, sound system. And also because the Georgia games are like insanely expensive. And the Georgia game, yeah, I'm not going to spend $600 plus for one of the worst seats available. Okay. Let's talk about some of the announcements Brian Kelly made. Uh, We'll go through each position group too, but Brian Kelly announced some uh, position changes in the post-practice press conference. Josh Adams named a captain. Uh, he deserves it. Brian Kelly said his summer workouts um, were were great, and he displayed all the traits that he wants his team to display. And I definitely am not at all surprised that Josh Adams is, is a guy like that, that impressed Brian Kelly enough to the point where they did name him a captain. And I think he is the only junior uh, that is a captain. I think all the others are seniors. So that's uh, definitely shows his leadership skills to make it onto that list, and uh, I think it's well-deserved. And then some coaching changes or personnel changes. Bill Reese was added as the director of scouting. That would be the father of Tommy Reese. Some other changes. Brian, Pol- Brian Polian is now the new recruiting coordinator. And he'll continue to work with special teams as well. And then Mike Elston, who had been the recruiting coordinator, uh, is now the assistant head coach. As Brian Kelly said, he's uh, his spokesperson when he's not around. So, um, that but, seems like a big step for Brian Kelly. I, I know that Mike Denbrock was also kind of the co-head coach, or I'm not sure what the exact title was. But Brian Kelly must have a lot of trust in in Mike Elston for him to elevate him to that. And it does make me wonder is it just makes me wonder what the future holds for those two coaches for Brian Polian and for Mike Elston. Well, I think the recruiting thing was kind of a no brainer. Brian Polian is an amazing recruiter. Uh, he's done it as a head coach and uh, he's been very involved with the recruiting even this spring and summer and there was, yeah, Mike Elston was doing a good job, but kind of from some of the things I've heard is like they needed to go, they needed to take another step um, and improve a couple things. They were getting good players, but Notre Dame just couldn't close on those elite players, and I think Brian Polian is a guy that will bring them one step closer to that. I think he's definitely the job. I think um, it was a very good move, and yeah. It's glad to see that. All right, we did have one Twitter question. Do you have oh, well, one more thing with the coaches? Brian yeah. Kelly said he's no longer voting on the coaches poll, and uh, 
I'm not sure how. Well, he he didn't want to be on it, so I don't know if he was asked. I'm not sure how that all works, but he said he just didn't have enough time to you know focus on that and get it all right and whatever. He was asking where would you put Notre Dame on that? On, would he put them in the top 25? And he was just like, well, he doesn't have the time to look into that. He's not going to worry about it. And I think that's great. I mean, the more time Brian Kelly has for this team, um, he obviously didn't like uh, trying to help raise money last year. He said it messed up the team or it messed things up for him. And so he's definitely taking steps, you know, even when it might seem like a small thing. And he probably had an assistant coach fill out his top 25 for the coaches poll. But it's just one less thing that he needs to be doing and gives him more time to focus on the team and the players. Because uh, it sounds like, you know, the players did tell him they want him more involved, and it looks like he's taking steps to be more involved. All right. Was that with the coaches then? Yeah, I think Yeah, I'm so. glad you mentioned that. I had that. I wanted to mention or talk about that too, about the uh, Brian Kelly and, and voting in the coaches' poll. Uh, we did okay. I sent a tweet, and we did get a uh, Twitter response from Vincent Miller at Vincent Miller seventeen. Lots of hype this off season for Dalen Hayes and Andrew Trimbetti. Will they deliver, and will our pass rush be good enough to win ten games? So, Brian Kelly did talk about Dalen Hayes, and uh, just talked about how intentional. He is with with everything. He even mentioned, oh, he counts the steps from either the weight room to the cafeteria or or some, something. He counts the steps he takes. He's so intentional with with his diet, with his workout, with studying film. And if you watch an interview with Dalen Hayes, you will know exactly what Brian Kelly is talking about because he when he is answering a question, he might even uh, repeat the question or just to be or to ask for a clarification because he wants to know exactly what the question is. And you can just see by his answer that he's putting thought. He's not just reading off some some points he's supposed to say. He's he's giving thought and trying to give an honest and accurate answer. And he stays on track too. Like he does. He answers the question and then on to the next one. He does. And Brian Clay mentioned that um, th- this is just who he is as a football player too. And and those are some of the traits that the great players he has coached in the past had this uh, intentionality. And so I do think that Dalen Hayes is going to have a an outstanding sophomore season. I think he is going to be a difference maker. Yeah, I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna have a phenomenal year. He's that one guy that can rush the quarterback, and he's going against a very very talented offensive line, and he can and he can beat them one on one. I mean, he's a guy that is doing that, and they know the thing is that you forget sometimes is that these guys are going against each other every day in practice. So they know what the other person is doing. They kind of get that, you know, McClinch is like, ah, he kind of knows what Dalen Hayes is They know their do. tendencies and their moves. And and so that just shows how much more um, he'll be, I think he'll be able to do a lot this season. So I, I agree. I think the hype around Dalen Hayes is well-deserved and we will see the results. Andrew Trimbetti, there's also been hype around him, probably most from Brian Kelly, always talking about the weight gains he's made and kind of how the how they've just been able to, how he's been able to develop into a better football player. I'm, I'm not sure about Andrew Trimbetti yet. Until, until we see it, he's not a starter, but he might be the third guy in on either on either side. We did see glimpses of him 
last year, kind of the end of the season when he came in in a smaller role. And I think that's where he kind of thrives at. Instead of, I think he's better at coming in and he's going to give 100% when he's in there on the 20 plays, whatever it is that he gets, versus him being, you know, the full time starter. And so I think his role is right where he needs to be and he'll be able to help. As far as will they help him get to 10 wins? I don't think that's going to be the difference to get them to 10 wins. There's some other, that's not the, them rushing the passer is not the breaking point. Well, I think the breaking point is on the defense. So, well, yeah. The the, the offense is is going to be good enough to win 10 games, but is the defense going to be able to hold up their end? To get to 10 wins, it's going to, the defensive backs have to play better. Um, I've been saying from a few months ago, anyway, that, that looking at the schedule, and we have more information now. That I do think that Notre Dame should win ten games this season. Uh, yeah, Georgia's got a great running attack and a pretty stout defense. However, I just think that uh, it's time to to stop using excuses like "Oh, we've got young players, we've got new coaches." The yeah. players are there. The coaches, even though maybe that maybe they haven't completely been able to install everything they wanted to install. There are still good coaches that have done this before, moved to new jobs, and have had success. So I, I do think uh, I don't think it's contingent on the defensive line. I think there's bigger question marks on on the defense, which is surprising to say. You know, we're at the beginning at, in in the winter in spring. Well, the biggest question mark was the defensive line. I think we know what we're going to get from. Well, I think you're right. We know a little bit more about what we're going to get from the defensive line. And we don't know what we're going to get from the safeties. Maybe our expectations are lower. On oh, the... totally. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Here's a, Vincent had a second question. Also, will we be able to stop the run? So also to do with the defensive line and, and the front seven. Watching, um, w- watching just the practice the other day, yesterday, they definitely – they definitely play close to the line of scrimmage. The safeties are up close to the line of scrimmage. And and I do think that's that's going to be the key is if they can't stop the run, especially against the good teams like Georgia, if you can't stop the run, you're not going to win the game anyway. So you may as well sell out to stop the run and take chances even in our, with our safeties that are going to be tested and probably going to be found wanting at times. Here's my theory on the run game i think they could be very good against the run and you, you probably think i'm very down on the secondary which i am but because that the secondary will get burned a couple times because of the questionable play from the safeties and stuff will open up the run game a little more for other teams which makes it harder for this defense to stop the run if they play a team like navy i think they could stop them the run you know they know what they're going to do the run but when they can get when the secondary, if they can't stop the passing game, then they're going to have issues with the run game because they would, it'll open things up. I, and to put a bow on this, I do think the run the run defense is going to be it's going to be okay. I don't think it's going to be great, but I think it's going to be okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay, let's talk. Uh, let's wrap up the press conference with uh, Brian Kelly was asked about which freshman 
would be seeing playing time this season. And then after that, we'll go through the game and then the different position groups as uh, individual groups. Well, basically, Brian Kelly said the guys that are off the bubble, you know, it was a question whether they're going to play or not. Um, he mentioned Jordan Genmark Heath, Myron Tagaviola, Kurt Heinisch, Cole Komet, Michael Young, and Brock Wright. So those are the guys that are off the bubble that are going to play. So uh, Okay, so we were at the practice, and I think Notre Dame should do this every year. I think the main reason they did it was to work out kinks with probably the video board stuff. They probably wanted to run through what that would be like. And with some changes to the stadium, they wanted to run through what a normal game day would be like for the players and I think this is a good thing I think this is a good thing to do I, I hope that I don't think they will but I, I think it would be good to do it every year to get especially the new players that haven't done it before get them into the routine they know what to expect and even for the guys who have done it before they haven't done it for for however many months uh six months or more than that nine yeah. m- nine months before that so it's just you, once if you haven't done something for in a while it's nice to you know, have kind of a test run. Here's my suggestion. Have every team do the, something like this and then get rid of the opening weekend gimme games that everybody plays. I'm, I'm with you there. Have actual have a preseason game. Basically like a spring game. Everybody has a spring game. But it's against have a different opponent. Well, you mean in the fall? I, in the fall. I, I would be in well, favor. I would be in favor of actually that would be having even better, a preseason yes. game. Uh, and it, it wouldn't count against your record or anything. It would be a preseason game, and I would also like it to be against a non-FBS opponent. So That's their, that's your chance to play, have yeah. all those teams come play. And again, The problem is everybody would make a big deal if a team would lose. No, it wouldn't matter because you wouldn't be playing. You can tell people that. It would take a while. You wouldn't be playing. Okay. No, the preseason doesn't matter. The best teams lose every game. I know. When the Colts are at their best, are they lose. the Colts are the best? They, they lose. <laughs> In the past, when the Colts were at their best, they would lose practically every preseason game. Yeah. Oh, I agree. I wish they would do something like that. But they could at least start with a fall game of, you know. And then what you would eliminate is what you said. You'd eliminate the Ohio game. State playing yeah, playing a uh, Division II opponent. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's then let's just go through the different position groups. I guess well, one more thing. Brian Kelly said that uh, school first day of class is tomorrow on Tuesday the twenty second, so they won't be having any practice uh, on Tuesday. And then after when they do come back after that is when they'll start preparing for Temple. Let's start on the, with the offense. Let's start with the quarterback. And Brandon Wimbush was also gave a post game press conference, and seems very, seems very comfortable, relaxed back there. Which usually the Notre Dame quarterback usually they, yeah. Are. But I think he does extremely well. I mean, he, I, if you watched it, even noticed that he uses some of the, um, like he's on a first name base with some of the media guys. He's like, hey, so and so, you know, he mentioned them. That's something you haven't seen from other quarterbacks necessarily. I know Kaiser was just kind of like up there and, uh, you know, didn't seem too excited. But Wimbush is 
obviously very engaged, and I think that's part of the reason everybody loves him and there's so much hype around him because even off the field, he's just he's just good at what he's doing. I mean, giving an interview, he did a great job. He was asked about uh, having a red jersey on, kind of how that will affect you. And you've talked about, Randall, you're worried about the last time you got hit was against uh, against T- Pitt when Pitt. they fumbled it, was returned for a touchdown. And I'm always I'm always a little bit worried about it. Just the first time the quarterback gets hit at the beginning of a season, even a little bit at the beginning of a game, just like yeah. the first time they get hit and you kind of yeah. get into that rhythm. So I'm not more worried than normal. But he was asked about that wearing a red jersey. They he can't for one thing, he can't show what he can do really in the running game because they do blow very early. And Brian Kelly says it's because they want him to be pro style pocket quarterback. Yeah. So they want him to be very intentional about being a pocket quarterback making plays from the pocket i think the biggest thing i mean Wimbush mentioned there's pros and cons to having the red jersey um he can work on his timing and his uh going through his receivers you know just different things like that he can work on some of those details but then the one thing it does take away is he said it takes away 30 percent of his game because he can't run the ball. It's just different running the ball. And I think it does affect the entire offense because, you know, the run play option is just a little bit different than what if it would be live. And so when you watch, if you watched it Sunday and you weren't too impressed with the running game, I mean, that makes a huge difference. Oh, totally, totally. And, uh, you know, some of those that were sacks, he might have got away. He would probably got away you know just and different you, and things they did whistle very early and, and i know the defensive players they did not even get cl- close i don't even know if they touched him every time it seemed like when they well, just they just had a a tunnel to where they could see the red jersey and they would just stop and then a little bit later a whistle would be blown well i'm pretty sure I, my guess is that somebody did hit him at some point and got chewed out pretty good and so they're on the side of caution because you're not going to hurt the starting qb <laughs> Um, another thing that was interesting with the with what he said, he was asked about playing the I formation, which everybody should be clapping. We all want to see a quarterback go under center, and uh, and with a fullback, that was always boot. a big issue. And then you have a fullback. Um, he kind of laughed. He was asked when was the last time he was playing the I formation. He kind of laughed and he said he thinks it was eighth grade. So he said it was kind of old school football. It was fun. Um, I think it was Pete Sampson tweeted out during the. During the game on Sunday, up in the press box, there was a group of older people sitting up there in the lounge or somewhere, and uh, they all clapped and were pretty excited when they saw a fullback in there. So and it resulted in a touchdown. Then, yeah. So <laughs> he and Brandon Wimbush mentioned that Brock Wright, which is the only fullback that we saw, Brock Wright, the tight end, but he also said in practice Logan Plotts or Platts has been has been there as well. Okay. So here's something that, that, that I don't really know how to take. I think Brian Kelly is secretive and doesn't want the media to tell his opponents what kind of offense they're working on. Which they are more limited than they used to be with yeah, some of that. Yeah. But then at the same time, so even in the spring, we saw a lot more two tight end sets. We saw a ton, maybe – yeah, we saw a ton of two tight end sets or two running back sets in the this fall practice. And I, I guess I'm just 
I just don't know how to take it. I mean, are we? I mean, are, is this legitimately what we're gonna see seventy percent of the time? Well, here's the, they keep saying ah, the offense hasn't really changed some of the verbiage, but I'm like, yes, it has. There's <laughs> the personnel there's grouping has definitely changed. Maybe. There's some big differences, and I think it's gonna be fun to see what they're gonna put out there. I mean, I'm excited to see what this offense can do. There's definitely gonna be some differences this year with multiple tight ends, multiple running backs, you know, fullback. There's it's gonna be fun to watch. I, I agree. I agree. Uh, one other thing that Wimbush uh, mentioned was that Tony Jones catches like no other back. So even he was praising Tony Jones as far as catching the ball. So maybe that should go with the running when we talk about the running backs. But he was pretty impressed with that. Uh, let's well let, let's talk about the running backs then. So we already mentioned Josh Adams named the captain, and Audrey Denson was asked a few days ago did an interview, and this is his third year coaching running backs at Notre Dame, by the way. And he didn't really say a whole lot other than he kind of gave an order of guys, the guys that are there, and he started with Josh Adams. And then he mentioned Dexter and Tony Jones and McIntosh. So did you glean any more information from the interview other than the fact that he is really excited with the guys they have back there and the thought of running the football more is exciting for him? Yeah, I mean, he's definitely – you could tell he was definitely impressed with Tony Jones. He was like, they can put him anywhere. He kind of lit up when he talked about Tony Jones, which we haven't seen it on the field. I mean, obviously in practice, but he hasn't done it on the field yet. He did drop a ball in, <laughs> in the Sunday practice. Um, but uh, that, I didn't get too much out of that interview, but I think the biggest thing was that coming out of the gate, the, when they started playing game-like situation, I mean, it was the first... I don't know, six plays that Tony Jones and Josh Adams were both out there on the field. And uh, I think those are the – it looks like those are the first two guys out there. I mean, obviously – I don't know. It could be – or maybe when they do go two the, running backs. Maybe that's just that situation. Two running back sets, those are the two guys. But – and But, again, this is what I'm saying. I'm surprised – I could almost see Notre Dame come out and go three wide, one tight end, one running back. <laughs> Just like they did before. Just like before, and this was all just, uh, just a disguise. Yeah. No, I, I don't actually. Well, think it'll be hard happen, to prepare but... for them because they're putting a lot of things out there. So it'll be hard for other teams to prepare for them. I would be. I would love to know if they ever practice with a fullback. <laughs> Any year under Brian Kelly, besides this year. Yeah, besides this year. I don't know. Probably not. Probably not. We very know they much. barely practice under center because they couldn't even snap under center yeah, against. North Carolina State. Yeah. So, but clearly, clearly things are things are different. Even no matter how often they say, "Oh, it's just a few verbiage change and a few things here and there," it's different. Yeah, but they're all there. You had those two guys start, but then uh, Dexter Williams had the biggest gain of the day. Um, Dexter also caught that touchdown in the end zone. I think the funniest thing out of that was uh, ND Football tweeted out a video of that catch, which was very impressive. Um, I didn't expect Dexter to be making that catch in the end zone in the corner like that. But uh, they tweeted out a video of that play, and then one of the first guys to reply was the former quarterback, Deshaun Kaiser. And uh, he said he included Dexter. He was like, man, what? And they had a bunch of qu- or exclamation points. And he was like, Coach Law must have gave you some of that Space Jam water because the Dex I know can't catch a cold. <laughs> so... To me, that just goes, yeah, it was all fun, but that just goes to show how much Dexter 
has improved. And maybe that's one thing that was keeping him, one of the big things that was keeping him off the field before was his pass catching ability. Well, he can obviously catch the ball after what we saw Sunday. And so maybe this is his uh, breakout year, and uh, we'll see quite a bit of him. Uh, okay, we do have a Twitter question about the wide receivers, so let's let's talk about that. Um, <laughs> from Irish Don, what is up with Stefferson? Very weird, and he, he had a few comments here, but let, let's first talk about uh, wide receivers and Stefferson. He was there on Saturday, so he's still in South Bend, but I didn't see that he was on the field during the scrimmage, during yeah during the eleven on eleven. Not very much at all. I didn't see him at all. If it was, it was, and I was trying to watch the wide receivers who was out there. If it was, it was only for a few plays. At the end of the game. And he was, I mean, he was going through when they just did their drills. He you was know. the last guy to do a drill a lot of the time. Well, I don't, that was the one Which time. That was, I don't know how. But I don't know. It, it, everybody's wondering what's going on. The only, and, the, the only thing that – or go ahead. Well, we talked about it a little bit on the way up to the practice on Sunday. You know, at what point does the, you know, your talent level, you know, how good you actually are, because he's a very dynamic player, could be. You know, at what point does that just, you know, win out and you let the guy play and, you know, hope that the game reps will help him pay attention. But, you know, like you mentioned, if you start doing that, players will catch on that you're not – um you know, that the talent can get you out in the field versus paying attention to the detail. And Brian Kelly keeps stressing, you know, that you got to pay attention to the details. And if you're not going to, you're not going to get on the field. And he mentioned, you know, he's not going to play talent over uh, how, whatever he had, however he had said that. But, and he made that mistake last year, and he's obviously not doing it this year. Um, I, I want to play a clip from Chip Long, did the one-on-one interview with, Jack Nolan, and he was uh, – here's a question from Jack Nolan, and it's not specific about wide receivers. It's just about the depth overall. So here we go. I mean, great depth at running back. The offensive line's coming through. And really, at your receiving positions, you have so much depth at the wide receiver position that you can actually change the size and make of that unit right. from play to play. You can go with small, fast guys. You can go with huge guys that DBs are going to have trouble covering. Right. You know, the best thing about that is it's great competition. You know, if you don't want to come into practice, you're not going to play. If you don't want to meet the standards Coach Kelly talks about every day, you're not going to see the playing field. So every guy, everybody has to bring their A game, you know, and that's the great thing about depth. Everybody has to perform at a high level each and every day or you're going to be bumped down the depth chart. So that's one good thing we have going. Luckily, a lot of our guys who, you know, we're counting on are coming each and every day to practice because they feel those guys coming up behind them. So it's been a really good thing seeing um, take place. Five. All right, so it was more – it was more – it was general, but then it went more specific to the wide receivers. And the question was how that can kind of change the look of the offense when you have smaller, fast guys, but then you also have bigger guys that are almost like tight ends that can do well at yeah. blocking. And then immediately he just goes to it's all about competition and the guys who aren't showing up and doing the things right and doing the things that Brian Kelly's been preaching, well, they're not going to play. And I think that is I think that is the issue because even like we mentioned on last week's podcast podcast that uh uh Andrew Trombetti mm-hmm. 
you know, that whenever there's these interviews, which maybe we're reading into it too much because we're wondering what the deal is with Stefferson. But there are obviously at least one guy or some guys that haven't bought into the system aren't paying attention to the details. Even with that interview right there, you know, he you get the you get the idea that they know everybody knows who those guys are and that there is somebody. And it's it's gotta be I'm the only answer to that question what's with Stefferson is he's gotta be that guy. He is one of those guys. Um, and you wonder at what point, I don't know, has he gone past the breaking point? You know, you would think that most guys want to step up their game and try to do better, but at what point, you know, has he given up on that? Just like, ah, oh, whatever, he's not going to play and, you know, we'll see him transfer next year or yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if he's at that point or past that point, but it just doesn't, That that's right now. That's about the only answer you can get to that question. And and on the wide receiver topic, uh, Brian Kelly was was asked. They've got twelve, eleven or twelve guys on scholarship, and they've said they want to play maybe a rotation of about seven guys. And and besides EQ and Camps with Camp Smith, which he is pretty much definitely EQ uh, has been marked as a marquee guy. He's, he's going to start and play a lot. And, and that was pretty obvious Sunday too. Yeah, I mean he played early, and then he didn't play that much either, but. You know what you have with him. He, he's a guy they can count on, and they have a lot of trust in. But a guy that Brian Kelly did mention was Chase Claypool, who played a lot on Sunday and had a really, really good day, at least as far as the scrimmage itself went. I was really frustrated when they were going through just running some of their, their routes and having the quarterback through the ball to him. This is what would frustrate me, and maybe it's some of the, maybe some of the issues. He went up for a one-handed catch and dropped the ball when he easily could have gone up with two hands and could have caught the ball. But he was doing it just haphazardly, not giving full effort to catch the ball. And it wasn't in a game, I know, but I do believe these are things that the coaches look at, and they want every play, whether it's in practice or in a game, catch the ball. Well, that's Don't be fancy. Just catch the ball. Instead of that play especially, instead of letting it come to to his hands, kind of over his left shoulder. He said he reached back with one hand, tried to get it, kind of fumbled around with it and dropped it. And he could have, if he just waited a little bit longer, he could have caught it with both hands and made the catch. And I think that's definitely something that, you know, the coaches are watching. But, you know, Brian Kelly did mention that he looked very impressive out there during the game. And he did. He made some incredible catches and he took some shots. He actually... Uh, when he he was supposed to go out on special teams, and I think that, I don't know if he I didn't see if he called it off or if the coaches did, but he was sitting there. The doctors were just talking with him because it was twice that he got the ball and came down hard, just on his back shoulder. I mean, he took some hits, but you know he made the catches, and uh, I was very impressed with what he was doing. And there, once they were playing the game, yeah, I mean. Go back to EQ. He's obviously the number one guy. I mean, yeah. you saw right away. He is the guy. He can make the catches. He is that number one guy in the wide receivers. And uh, you know, it's still up to. We didn't really see much. I, I expect to see a little more from Cam Smith, but he was, was out, like he, he was, he was out, out there, there a lot. lot. And Freddie Canteen was, yeah. but it wasn't like they made some big plays or you noticed them. CJ um, Sanders is another name that. Brian Kelly mentioned when he, when he was asked about besides EQ and Cam Smith, and he mentioned 
Chase Claypool first, but then he also mentioned CJ and said that he's shown them some things. Chris Fink is another guy. And so he didn't mention Stefferson, but kind of my hope is that with a deeper rotation, this will just give more time for Stefferson to to uh, to figure it out and get get his head straight and start doing what the coaches are asking him to do. Because I do think he's one of the definitely the the three most talented wide receivers. But I, I can't disagree either. If he's not working hard or, or putting the effort in or whatever it is, then I can't disagree with what Brian Kelly is doing. Yeah, Sanders looked good on uh, one screen passes. I mean, I think that's where he's going to excel in some stuff. Another, uh, Michael Young also looked at the freshman, looked good at screen passes. And he's very involved, even like the return games. Um, I can definitely see Michael Young playing out there, which Brian Kelly said he's going to which could be on special teams, maybe not the wide receiver as much. But another guy that stood Jafar Armstrong, physically, like when you see him, he, he's a big guy. I mean, he's one of the bigger receivers. And, uh, you know, maybe he didn't he didn't make, you know, it was like you know some big catch from him, but he did good, and he's a big player. Uh, well, then Chase Claypool also had that touchdown where he basically ran past secondary, but then it was called back by a, supposed sack which i couldn't see how close it actually was if it would have been or wouldn't have been in a in a live game but this wide receiver group is is looking good we were kind of skeptical there from it seemed like they had good depth but then when it came down to when camp starts like who are the top two three guys you know who are they actually but and i i don't think and here's a comment that I'll mention that Dell Alexander, um, when they did the interview with him, um, what he said with the depth, he mentioned that if a guy goes deep, they're going to bring in fresh legs in the next play. And they have the depth to do that. And he said they can do the same thing with the next guy, send him deep again. So they have the guys. It's not, you know, if they take the the guy that just went deep, if they take him out, that doesn't mean that the next guy is gonna, it's going to be a short pass. Yeah. They could still send that guy deep. They have the the talent, the backups to do things like that. And yeah, very good point. And even though uh, the rotation is going to be pretty deep, I still do expect besides EQ, I do expect probably two other guys to really step up. And at the end of the season, probably three wide receivers have a vast majority of the catches, even with them. Uh, probably because I think they're, they're going to separate, but with running a more up-tempo um, scheme or up, with with doing more up-tempo and having to sit a guy who runs 40 or 50 yards down the field, taking yeah. him out, even with all of that, I still think that there's going to be three guys that are going to separate themselves as and, the primary guys. And Miles Boykin... Um, he yeah, was, did he even, did, was he out there much on Saturday? Yeah, on he, was out, he was out there some, but he made some... He made a very impressive catch in practice earlier in the week. Um, you might have seen the video Andy Football tweeted out, but it was in front of him, and it looks like the, like the first picture they had, it looked like there was no way he was going to get it. And the next picture he had it in the tip of his fingers. He reached out with one hand and caught it, pulled it in. Very impressive. Um, another highlight from earlier in the week was Chase Claypool again. Um, in, the, it, in the spring, Miles Boykin... Was was yeah. noted. Hey, he's one of the guys that's been really consistent and one of the guys that I really like. And then in the fall, I hadn't heard as much, but um, 
I do wonder if he might not be one of those three guys at the end of the season. Yeah. That And Claypool, I, he's making big plays. I think he's going to be one of the first ones into the game. But when an eighth of your scholarship players are wide receiver, you should have good depth. So. <laughs> All right, we did get some more comments on Twitter. I'm, I'm going to read some of these. Uh, okay, Don Parks. Uh, just some of the comments, and he was there at the game. We talked with Don for a little bit. Um, D-line and linebackers look good, especially defensive ends, possibly at 60. Defensive backs, not so much. Claypool killing it and that was one of my thoughts too is that man maybe these maybe our safeties just are on a different level athletically but it does always happen that there are always deep plays and in the defense as a whole the the linebackers and and the safeties were playing up close very close to the line of scrimmage there wasn't two safeties deep uh at least not for a lot of the time so if, if they're playing close to the line of scrimmage to help out in run support to stop the run. There are going to be plays like that. So initially, I thought too, man. Athletically, I'm just not sure if our if our safeties are going to. Well, I got some more thoughts be on there. that, but I'll save it for when we talk about defensive back. All right, there's some more here. Uh, he wanted. To, he also said going a little bit deeper on Dalen Hayes. Let's hope Dalen Hayes is that good because he made Tommy Kramer look bad at right tackle. Which maybe we can talk about the offensive line here a little bit. I know some of these. It's kind of hard to get some of these questions in the right. Um, you should have tweeted it out earlier in the day. We're gonna blame you because we're getting some of these tweets while we record. <laughs> but the offensive line, Tommy Kramer, um, early in the week, uh, when they talked with Harry, did an interview with Harry Heastand. At that point, he was saying, you know, they asked did Tommy Kramer nail down that right tackle. He's like, well, there's still three guys. Yeah, I don't, I don't buy that. No, because but, okay, well, let's start with this. He was losing his voice, or no, he was that was that, that was pulling. But uh, they asked him, you know, I haven't. They said uh, he hadn't really heard him. Jack Nolan said, "I haven't really heard you yelling at the player or doing anything." And then he basically just said, "The guys have made me lose my voice." <laughs> and so they said that was a good answer. So maybe he did a lot of yelling at the beginning, and he he can't talk anymore. Um, but Offensive line, I mean, that right tackle, like he mentioned, there's still three guys in the mix. Kramer, Eichenberg, and uh, Hainsey. But like we saw on Sunday, uh, Kramer is the right tackle, and Eichenberg was left tackle for the second team. And he did he did struggle a little bit. We talked about it. Like, maybe it's the curse of the <laughs> left tackle, the false start. I think he had two penalties. It was Yeah, it was at least two. Um. Mike McClinchy started something last year, but I'd much rather have it be the the backup exactly, left tackle exactly in a, in a or in a scrimmage game than yeah. And then Hainsey was the backup right. It was the second string right tackle, and he got beat a couple times. I I noticed a couple times that he struggled a little bit, but he's going against some defensive ends that are starting to look pretty good. Um, then as far as the rest, I mean Trevor Rulin. Backup center, he's been doing very good, according to Heastan. And Hunter Bivin can play all those spots. Um, as, yeah, as far as depth, if one of these guys does go down, the 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 depth situation to fill one more spot is looking pretty good. Yeah, and it, they talked a little bit about Mike McClinchy and Quentin Nelson. Uh, 
coming back. You know, they could have left last year, but they came back because they wanted to become better. And they're very focused on not just themselves, not really themselves, but making the whole team better. And uh, they're playing with a chip on their shoulder. And this is their, they're going to push the other players to do their best. And I think it's, I don't even want to imagine what would have happened if Nelson and McClinchy would have both have left. Yeah. So. Did we talk about tight ends? No. Cole Kmet is a, is a beast for a freshman. Um, absolutely very, very impressive. And then Brian Kelly, you had mentioned it, Randall. Yeah, both these guys, Cole Kmet and Brock Wright, the other freshman tight end, are guys that they're going to be counting on. I do. I, I so you were right on that. It sounds like both freshmen are going to play. Yeah, but I think my my what was your other bet that we had forgotten about that I also thought of on the way to the practice? What? Well, we had mentioned about mentioned about earlier. freshman tight ends. One of them is going to be leading uh, the second leading tight no, end with touchdowns. Wasn't. Lucky for you, I couldn't remember what it was today. I don't remember either. It was a long. It was before you started writing things down. I know. Well, I would just just started that. But I do – I don't know. I find it hard to believe that Brock Wright's going to play that much except maybe at that fullback position. He was blocking very well. He did a very good job at blocking. But you've got Alizé Mack. You've got Durham – Who was struggling at blocking? Durham Smythe. Was he struggling yes. this uh, – Go back and look. That one uh, – when a goal line, when the ball was almost intercepted – Alize Mack missed a block on that. So that's that's something that could that could hurt him. Um it seemed when they had three tight ends out there, he was lined up outside, which I think everybody kinda expects that. But he's gotta step up his blocking. But like we said, the 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 freshmen <laughs> there's some big guys for for being Well, freshmen. so who who gets lost in this tight end shuffle then? Because you also have Nick Wisher. It, it, you hear so many different things. Basically, and you're not from, going five, from the coach. Unless the you go five, five saying, wide with the tight ends. What uh, um, Chip Long Chip was Long. saying, Durham Smythe is at his best fall camp, which he doesn't know because he hasn't <laughs> been there the other three years. So we have no idea about that. I hope it's his best fall camp because hopefully they're getting better every year. Yeah. But, the, but I almost think that I think Wisher, out of Smythe and Wisher, I think Wisher has stepped up his game more than Smythe has. I mean, Wisher was very involved. I mean, he was moving around a lot. And, you know, we've heard that he is the pass-catching tight end. Um, If they're playing three tight ends, they're using a fullback. There's four guys, and you got one guy to back up. I mean... Well, that's why I think that we'll see... uh, Brock Wright more at that tight end spot than actually more of a traditional tight end position. Yeah, yeah, he's not the he's the blocker. He's not yeah. the pass guy. He's he's a blocking tight end. Um, so maybe you won't hear as much. You won't hear his name as much because he's doing the dirty work and letting the other guys do the pass catching. But, but if, if and from what Wimbush said, Brock Wright and Logan Platts were the two that were were at fullback. And the way he said that almost makes me think maybe they did just maybe they didn't do any of that in the spring, maybe it was just um, just the last week or two of yeah could uh, be fall right camp. On that. E- either way, 
uh, let's move on then to to defense. Give me one second. I'm just reading something here from Twitter. Well, the defense, I'll just... Uh, the defense is... The defensive line and the linebackers are looking better. Well, I mean, that, I don't think there's really a question with the linebackers, but that secondary is still a big question to me. I think everything's still improving. The big question on the defense side of the ball is still the secondary. It is. The biggest question, or the biggest surprise maybe, I agree, is the defensive line. Not that they're going to be great, but I think we're, we're more, we're better off than what we expected to be after or in the winter or the spring. And then cornerbacks, I think people were generally, we were okay with where we were at with cornerbacks because we had guys there. They were There's some young guys like Julian Love, and Dante Vaughn, but they did play last year and played solid. You've got Nick Watkins coming back. Troy Pride played last year. Sean Crawford, who has at least had a very high ceiling, just injuries cut that short. But then, or yeah, then safeties was also probably the the second biggest question, and that one has not been answered fully. I mean, you have Nick Coleman over there, which I I like him. I think he's going to do okay. Yeah, well, sorry, looking at the defensive line, um, I was impressed how much they were actually getting to the quarterback, and they're going up against a good offensive line. Um, the guys that were, uh, where did I write it down? I had the guy written down the guys that were credited with sacks. Oh, I got a whole another page. <laughs> Um, defensive line sack Kareem, Dalen Hayes, Jonathan Bonner, Kofi Wardlow, uh, Julian Aquora, Ade Agandiji, and those were the guys that were credited with sacks. That's a lot of which they were easy, they were easy, sacks, easy to get. sacks, yes. But then guys in the backfield, like Tillery, Brantiasum, Mike Du Treadway, I mean, they were penetrating and you heard their name a couple times getting tackles and you know that's not necessarily a stat they're not going to get a lot of tackles at that interior position but they were penetrating getting into the backfield and made some plays back there and so I think with the defensive line it's getting figured out it looks like you have six defensive ends um even with Ade Ogundiji it was mentioned that uh, if you ask um Matt Bayless whose favorite guy in the Workouts are yeah. is Ogundiji, and he actually looked pretty good. He, I think, his issue last year was just getting to the size he needed to be, but he looked good Saturday. I mean, and Mike Elko did say in a one-on-one interview from earlier last week that he is happy with where the defensive line is at. So it looks like you got six guys for the defensive end position, and that was a big question. Interior. Oh, Hold on. Let's. Uh, John Parks also asked, with some people saying that we're possibly six deep at defensive end. Um, do they really need to take a look at Jay Hayes at three technique? And over on our forums, I think Irish they, I still talking about this too. I I agree with him. I actually think that they. He could help out more in the interior, 
of the line than he could at defensive end right now because these other guys have stepped up. Mike Elson said they're, they feel pretty good with their pass rushers with uh, Dalen Hayes and Julian Acora. And then on the interior, what they're really looking for is they're, tr- they're trying to find depth from the younger guys. They're happy with Jerry and Bonner, and they're playing their best. <laughs> they're playing their, having their best fall camp ever. Of course. Um, of course. And they should be after a couple of years in the system. Hopefully every year is a little bit better. So yeah, they're they're looking for depth on the interior spot. So I, I agree with Another that. Another guy is Kurt Heinish. Brian Kelly mentioned as a freshman he's going to play. Yeah. So there's a little more depth, but yeah, right now it looks like they should possibly play Jay Hayes inside a little more. And I do think, even though they're saying it's not Brian Kelly mentioned, it was it last week's press conference? Not, it's not going to happen. I think it is. I I kind of I I agree with you too. I I do think it's going to happen as well. And we've seen this over in the past too. Maybe more was it the Ohio State game where Isaac Rochelle played inside? I know at some point they uh, they did end up so. moving I even later. So. It was late in the season. I think it was in the bowl game, which they would have had time to to work on that. But it definitely could happen during the season that they do make make a switch like that. Yeah, Brian Kelly talked about Khalid Kareem, and he says he's kind of an under the radar guy, which is true because it seemed like his name wasn't mentioned the first couple of weeks of fall camp. But Brian Kelly says his biggest thing is that he's physically strong and can move guys around. He's maybe not the fastest. He doesn't have the fastest first step or fast twitch, but he can move guys around and uh, is a guy that's kind of flying under the radar right now. But defensive line is definitely looking better. And, yeah. All right, linebackers. Linebacker just seems like such a boring group because there's not that much to discuss. We know what we're getting at linebacker, which I guess is a good thing. Yeah. I mean, I know it's a good thing. Um, you know, they all look good. Greg Martini is going to be that buck yeah. linebacker. Um, we even saw Coney in as middle linebacker for a second when uh, – when Niles Morgan was, when Niles yeah. Morgan wasn't out there, Coney did play middle linebacker. Um, Drew Tranquil, I thought it was interesting when uh, Brian Pulling was asked about special teams. He'd say, you know, they want starters out there, frontline guys out there, but he said they do have to be careful. And two guys he mentioned that they have to be careful with were Drew Tranquil and uh, Dalen Hayes. Dalen Hayes. So that that was, that was kind of an interesting situation. Um, Obviously, they they're maybe a little worried about Asmir Bilal. You know, from what we've heard, is doing good as Tranquil's backup. But they're obviously maybe a little worried about that, or they think that Tranquil is going to have such a huge impact on the yeah. defensive line. I think they're probably worried about Bilal maybe more in the passing game if they're going against teams that want to spread Don't out. Get too excited. Don't think that. Tranquil's passing I'm pass not. coverage has improved. Trust also. Me, I remember him as a safety, <laughs> but he's not going to be primarily, yeah. In, you know, staying behind guys covering them deep, yeah, on, ver- on vertical routes. But so I, I do agree; not. those two guys, I think, are going to have huge, he- huge years. Um, Drew Tranquil seems to be the perfect fit for that rover spot, and then you're going to have looks like Martini on the other side, and. uh you know, he mentioned he, Brian Kelly said that you know he's a perfectionist, and he always knows what's going on, and so 
on that. There's there's not too much to say about the linebackers, and that's a good thing. Cornerbacks. I don't know. We, we kind of touched on this earlier too. It's. I, I guess we just I guess kind of the entire secondary. The, the biggest, there's a lot of questions. With I, them. I think the biggest question. Okay, so Brankley did say that Jordan Genmark Heath. He he's gonna contribute some. They're not yeah. gonna. They're not planning on registering him. And that'd be at safety. And that'd be at safety. So does that mean Julian Love was talked about that? Well, yeah, they would maybe move him to safety, and he's cross training at safety. Yeah. So. Right, I'm right yeah, on that. Yeah. So that that's to me that's the biggest question mark is Julian Love. He I mean he's gonna play well, he's gonna play somewhere. We've we talked about it before, but I think. Julian Love playing safety depends on how Dante Vaughn is going to play at cornerback. And he made some plays on Sunday, and he got burned on some. But the fact of the matter is they are going – it's just the nature of the position. You're going to get burned on some. You're not going to stop every pass. Um, One thing I noticed, he did not turn around when the ball was thrown his way. I just always hate to see that, like, turn around and at least look or make – Make at it least, look like you're looking for the ball. At least pretend like you're yes. looking for the ball. Yes. So, yeah, it, it, that's that's the weakness of this team is this defensive back. And I said I was going to mention more, and it kind of goes into the coaching too. Todd Light, um, I think Todd Light is is a great guy. I mean, I met met him, talked to him, and. I think he's a great coach too, but there's such a good group of coaches here that I think he is now one of the weak links on the coach staff. Just because, and, and, and here's I'll, the thing. I'll, I'll be a, the, the, the apologist. Okay, this is uh, this is the first time at Notre Dame where he was coaching like a, a position coach like this, or he was in the NFL, but I don't think he was actually a position coach in the NFL. No. Well, he was with the Eagles. Yeah, he helped coach. The, I think he helped coach defensive backs there. But so he's a, he is regardless of what he, he's a young coach, um, so I I do think, and well, and, and and last year with with I this, need to finish with, my argument. No, then. Okay, well, well, go ahead. Brian McGorder was also coaching safeties I know, back I know. back then as well, and that could be some of it. I, I'm not gonna. Here's what I'm trying to say: he's a good coach, but because this entire coaching staff is seems to be extremely good coaches, he is one of the weaker links. And as nice as he is, and he's a Notre Dame, all that, that doesn't mean you're going to be a great, a great coach. A great coach. Yeah. The, the things I see is that even like the defensive line, there's other positions where it didn't seem like we had talent, but they're starting to look like something. And I think we have the talent at defensive back. I'm not going to say that we don't have talent at this position. Well, I, I told you that was safety. I told you that was my initial thought. That was kind of like uh yeah, just a thought I had, but then I don't, I, I don't, I don't think it's true. I do think that there is athleticism back there, and even Mike Elko did say, right after he said he's very, he's happy with where the defensive line is. He also said, at the safety position, they have athletic kids back there. So I, I, I don't believe that talent or athleticism is the issue. Yeah, and from what I saw last year, which Brian Mangorder was involved with the safety, so we can maybe blame all that on him. This can all change with how it goes this year in game situations. I'm open to having it all change. But last year, at the games I was at, there was issues with the safety, the communication, getting on and off the field, 
Um, a couple times, Todd Light was running out in the field, yelling at the players to come back or get out in the field, and it was just chaotic. I do, I do remember you were saying that. And so that's why I'm still a little concerned. You know, it, it, and I, it is the safety is the biggest concern on the team, yeah. in my you, opinion. Your, I, your point is very valid, and the we'll, bad we'll thing for Todd Light, see. like I mentioned, is he's surrounded by very good coaches, so... I mean, he's a good coach, but but that that will also help him too. Yeah. Because if but you can it if, can still I'm open. I hope this all changes and once the game time once the games start, you know who the guys are that are starting. They know what they're doing. I think that'll help a lot. Mm-hmm. Once they have their starters in place, I think that's going to make a big difference because those guys know that it's their job. They're in charge of that position and getting guys lined up, whatever they have to do. I think that's going to make, that's going to help a lot. So the sooner they figure out who the starters are going to be at safety, the better it's going to be for this team. Anyways, that's what I was going to say about safety. So um, it was just concerning to see some of the receivers, Chase Claypool and some other guys. They're very good receiver, but they're running past the secondary. Okay. And that's going to hurt the run defense. Yeah. Special teams, I found it interesting when Brian Pullian uh, was asked about Brian Kelly. Brian Kelly said, well, we'd really like to have – we have three kickers, and we want each of those guys to focus on their own specific job. I'm going to throw this in. Well, go ahead. Finish your thought. He said that Tyler Newsom, who is the punter, would love to be involved in the kicking game. Uh, And And and, the kickoffs. Well – he even he said, said in the kickoffs and said he can make long make field long goals. Field yeah. goals. <laughs> Brian Kelly's answer was that well, just focus on being a great punter, pretty much. And I agree. I mean, if if uh, if Tyler Newsom is better at kickoff, can kick it further or get it to the spot on the field where they want it to be, great. But first off, nail down that punting job so that there's no questions or concerns that we have. And in in the game, he had uh, he had one punt that was terrific. It was they were able to down it inside the, the one yard yeah. line. Then another one was just horrible. It's just the same thing we've seen. He's very inconsistent. Yeah, they're either very good or very bad. It seems like so he needs to focus on that, just becoming more consistent. And I do like the idea of having the three different kickers. Yeah. Um, that way they can work on their what they're supposed to do. Um. Jonathan Dewar, I thought it looked really good. Yeah. Um, kickoffs. And some of them were short, but from what I've heard, that's Notre Dame would rather. I mean, sometimes they want to do that. Keep it right in front of the end zone. I'd say kick it out of the end zone. But it depends. If you can, that if you may can mean they have them. a lot of faith in their special team coverage. Because before, when Brian Poling was at Notre Dame, they had number one uh, kick return defense. Yeah. So. That maybe if, shows how comfortable they are with that. But what I was going to say, Brian Pullian, like we heard on Sunday, can, it sounds like he can hardly talk anymore. His yell, DJ Morgan, like he could barely get it out. And he's just yelling as loud as he could. Um, you can't help but love this guy. Oh, and I he, know. And even in the interview, he's talking That's about That's why I think he's a great recruiting coordinator. The kids are going to love him. Yeah. He's, he seems like just such a – there's no BS with him. He is just who he is. He loves Notre Dame. He talked about it a little bit in the interview, too, about how he just felt 
the one practice he just looked up and saw the golden dome and just just it was just so happy and blessed to be there well so i was in the interview his voice was almost gone and he said his wife just says it's his training camp voice <laughs> so but he is the I one wonder, assistant coach that is out there you, on the field. Hold on, Randall. You you know they have uh, voice coaches for singers. <laughs> and I'm I'm guessing they have it even for radio, pers- or radio talk show hosts as well. So you don't have a voice coach for the <laughs> podcast, Ruben? I definitely don't. I wonder if you'd be able if you would have a voice coach. I wonder if they'd be able to help him develop a stronger voice that would hold up. Under the, the rigors of, <laughs> I, I of fall think, camp. I don't think you could find somebody that would want to take on the task. The way he yells and carries on, I don't think you'd be setting, as a voice coach, you'd be setting yourself up for failure. Maybe. Because, <laughs> but he's obviously very active out there and uh, making sure that the guys are, you know, and when he did yell at DJ Morgan, I think it's when Chase Claypool could It go. was. So he was yeah. finding a replacement, and that's why he yelled. I don't, it wasn't because DJ Morgan wasn't coming out there. Um, but as far as the return guys going that part of the game, um, he basically said CJ Sanders is the kickoff return guy. He's pretty much got that nailed down, and it looks like Tony Jones might be the other guy, the second guy back there. But then for punt returns, well, where did you hear that about Tony Jones being the second guy back? Matt had mentioned something about that. Matt okay. Freeman. Um, so, so they'll. Have I don't two, know that for. I mean, because sometimes they're still working on some of that. I wonder how they'll do that because last but year CJ Sanders would be the main guy. Yeah, but you got to have that second guy back there. But, but but sometimes they have a single guy that's back deep, and then a second guy that's a little bit further forward. Sometimes they have two guys both equally far back in the in the end zone. Yeah. But for punt returns, it's uh, down at Chris Fink, C.J. Sanders, and then Michael Young. Those are the three guys, and one of them did. Which one did drop the? I didn't go back and look. They, they had the. They had the orange jerseys, or yeah, jerseys on. So I couldn't. I, I couldn't see what number it was. I I didn't see who dropped it, but there were a couple dropped. Chris Fink and dropped th- one that in was, practice. That, that was on the kickoff, though. The one that was dropped. Well, that true. I almost think it was Sanders. It, it may have been, but um, Fink dropped one during practice when they were practicing. But he, I have to say, Newsom's punts are very hard to catch. Some of those we saw, it was spi- the way it was spiraling when it came down. It makes it very, very hard to catch. So they're definitely getting their practicing catching punts from Tyler Newsom. Um, also because they never know if it's going to be a long or short punt. So. <laughs> That's the whole field is wide open. What Pullian mentioned was that the punt return, if a guy the guy might tell him that he can return it for, I think he said 80 yards, but he said he's not looking at that. He said if you can't catch the ball, you're not going to get that 80-yard line. So for punt return, he's looking at a guy that can keep possession security. of the ball and ball security. So I, I still – hope that it's Sanders there's Sanders is just I think he's the most dynamic return guy yeah you see he it did, in, he made some mental mistakes and I think that's why you, there was even a question last year on you, whether he should be out there or we've not. Seen it, yeah in trying spe- to field it right inside the end zone yeah we've seen it in special teams uh, and also even in uh receiving game how 
how slippery and deceptive he can be to take down. In in one of the was it punt or kickoff return, Brian Kelly did yell at Chris Fink. And I, I was looking at something else at the time. Oh. Yeah. I'm not totally sure what it was. We weren't sure what it was. I don't know if it was because he kept going. It was basically the ball was blown dead. Um, it, it was if close. he didn't want to get somebody to get hurt or if he should have called fair catch. It might have been calling fair catch. That was the other thing that we thought it could be, that he should have called a fair catch and he didn't. And it, it was right by – it was close to the boundary and the end zone in, yeah. in that one corner. Yeah. But that's about all I got for special teams. Uh, in those coach interviews that they had, Matt Matt Bayless said that um, the things that they were working on, or or yeah, the things they were focused on, was attitude and effort. Um, and he feels like they're still working on it, but those are some of the big changes that he's seen in this football team. And he even talked about how how their training their strength and conditioning changes during the season compared to the off season and how they'll even track the amount of plays or snaps that a, a player has during the game and adjust their their workload or their workout for that week so that they're peaking on Saturday but there is so much science that has just gone into the Notre Dame strength and conditioning program well, they even mentioned with the players having chips, so I'm not sure how that all where it's implanted. Can they get their shoe? Can they can they get uh, food from the cafeteria without scanning their chips? <laughs> all right, that's all I've got. One more thing we didn't mention with the special teams is Justin Yoon. Are you at all concerned? He missed was it a 49 yarder and a 52 yarder? I uh, believe those were the two. If Matt Freeman would be here, he could tell us that we have nothing nothing to wor- worry about, <laughs> that Justin Yoon is a future Hall of Fame NFL kicker. But I, I am concerned. Well, that's when he missed those, when I heard Tyler Newsom's comments, I was like, maybe that's why he's saying he can make those long field goals. But Brian Pullian said he didn't get to work with Justin Yoon in the spring. So, you know, they're working on things now. I feel a little more. I'm a little. I'm more concerned about this than I am about Wimbush getting hit for the first time, but I'm not. I'm not overly, overly concerned that this is going to derail Notre Dame's season. No, hopefully they won't have field goals that long. <laughs> but the thing is, if that if that is the case, it might change as far as going for it on fourth down. I mean, if that if you're kicking a 50 yard field goal. You're at the point where you got to decide if you're going for it on fourth down or if you're going to try to punt it and keep it in play. Yeah. Because there's not a lot of room. I mean, if you kick it into the end zone, they're coming out. Is it 25? 20. Well, I mean, they're bringing, yeah. the, they're if, bringing if it out. If it's a punt in the, yeah, in the end zone. They're bringing it out, you know, and so you don't really gain much. And so that's that's where it could change. If he has issues with those long field goals, what's going to change is the fourth down situation. Hopefully, all I'm hoping for is just consistency. So I'd much rather know 
and the coaches know, well, he can't make it from 45 yards or from whatever whatever the point is. And then at least there's no surprise. So you you know, well, we have to go for it if we're if we're here or we have to punt it or yeah. whatever it might be. So I, I just hope that it's very clear and there aren't big surprises because there's going to be some close games this year. And I'd hate to, for a close game to be decided by a missed field goal. Yeah. One more. Another thing that we haven't talked about is the jerseys for the Navy game. Um, since there's no Shamrock Series game, you know, we thought maybe there weren't going to be any, I guess you could call them alternate uniforms this year. But they did unveil the Rockney uniforms for the Navy game. Is it November 18th, I believe? What did you think of the uniforms? I loved them. The I, only thing I didn't love is the ND logo. Is a little bit different. No, that was the, the old. That, that was the only thing I didn't like. But everything else, I, I like the helmet. I love the shoes and yeah. and the jersey. I'm, I'm a fan. It's no, I do like it. The only issue I have with it is that it's small details. And Under Armour has shown us year after year that they do all these small details. And I wonder how much you can actually see it. Which watching it on TV, you know, they're, they're going to show all that stuff during the game. At some point, they're going to talk about that and show all the fine details. But as far as just watching the game, I don't know how much it'll actually stand out. Some of those fine details, because um, if you just look at it from a distance, somebody that's not a Notre Dame fan isn't going to notice that much difference. Jersey color, blue, gold, the helmet. I don't think you're going to see much. Actually, see the differences on the helmets, but uh, maybe it'll be more visible than what I think. But they've done that before. The Under Armour is known for that, you know, the small details that aren't as obvious if you're at the game watching it. If you know what I mean. But I do yeah. like the, I do like the close up. Tony made a prediction that this is going to be the best selling jersey for Notre Dame, <laughs> and a lot of it has to do because it says Rockney on the back of it. So, all right, that's all. All that I'll, I've got. The one we didn't talk last year, you or last week, you had thought that uh, you had mentioned that the Wisconsin games would both be Shamrock series. Oh yeah, and I didn't think they were, but they are both Shamrock series games, and so they'll have special uniforms for each of those games at it, Lambeau Field and Soldier Field. It's unusual that it ends it's up the they're both team. Wisconsin, yeah. but it's at different yeah. different locations. All right, thank you guys for listening. We're really excited about this upcoming season. Thank you, those of you who uh, tweeted out your thoughts and questions. Continue to do that. We'll talk about it on the podcast. And if you want to win a Irish Sports Talk baseball cap, all you need to do is either retweet this episode that we're – it's going to be on our Twitter page. You'll see it. Just retweet the tweet about this episode, episode number 400, or share it. Same thing on our from our Facebook page. So – and just to mention it on our Instagram, this last week we've been trying to put our little or a couple of videos on the story, or just to give you the inside view of or some insight on what we do. The studio here, we did that last week, and we did some videos when we were at the practice. Um, we did and tonight. I just did a short video of the hats, the different ones we got, and uh, we want to sell those on the website as well. So check those out. And then I forgot to mention this at the beginning of the episode, but Solon has another article, Three Things Notre Dame's Offense Needs to Improve On This Season. Check it out. It'll be over on the website, irishsportstalk.net. 
and his uh, his thoughts on three things that Notre Dame needs to improve on compared to last year. So give that a read. And I think that's it. We have one more. Twelve more days. One more episode, Randall, before before it starts. So well, a normal Monday episode. Yeah. To do the preview yeah. and everything. So. So thank you guys for listening, and until next time, go Irish. Go Irish. <laughs>